Hello and welcome to the Stories About Autism podcast. My name is James and I'm a dad of two boys, Tommy and Jude, who are both autistic. Each week I get to speak with a special guest who shares their own story about autism. I chat with autistic adults, parents and carers of children who are autistic, as well as professionals who work with the autism community. This week I'm joined by Ashley Blaker. Ashley is a dad of six, that's right, six kids, with two of them being autistic and an adopted daughter who has Down syndrome. As well as being a dad, Ashley is a comedian and writer and has been part of numerous TV and radio shows such as Little Britain, V. Graham Norton and Fancy Football League, as well as two off-Broadway shows. Ashley recorded a BBC Radio 4 show with his family, Ashley Blaker, 6.5 Children, which is part stand-up, part documentary, where they discuss parenting, adoption and raising children with special needs. This has led to his new book, Normal Schmormal, which he describes as his occasionally helpful guide to parenting kids with special needs. It's a part memoir, part how-to guide, sharing the challenges as well as the many rewarding and happy moments of parenting children with additional needs. I read the book, I found it really insightful and funny in equal measure and definitely well worth a read for any family with SEN in their lives. On the podcast, we get to talk about the journey Ashley and his family have been on, as well as the complicated juggle of such a large family with contrasting needs. From the endless meetings and appointments to the battles with the schooling system, progress his kids have made, learning to ignore the idiots, and Ashley's hopes for the future. I really enjoyed getting to know Ashley and his family, and I'm sure you will too. Let's get started. Here's our chat. Okay, Ashley, hello. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Pleasure to be here. So, uh, really excited nice to have you to on. Thank you very talk, James. Talk about you and your family, talk about the book that's come out, talk about what life is like for you as a dad. For those of our followers who haven't heard your story yet, do you want to give them a little intro to you and, and the kids? Well, first of all, shame on them. And I hope <laughs> they are hanging their heads now. And, 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 but let's, we can make up for it. Uh, it's never too late. So, my name's Ashley. Hello. Uh, I have six children. Yes, that is yeah. that is correct. Six children, <laughs> which is the reaction I get most of the time. Six children, um, three of whom have a diagnosis of special educational needs. Uh, I have two sons, my eldest and uh, uh, my second, uh, uh, sorry, my eldest and my third uh, son have both been diagnosed with autism and ADHD. Uh, we have an adopted daughter with Down syndrome. We adopted her when she was two. She's now fifteen, and uh, and but I think as um, as you'd know because you've read my book on the sub on the subject of my children, my other children, those without a diagnosis, I wouldn't yeah. say they're necessarily um, well. So we're delving. Let's just delve straight into it because I'm I'm going to use this language that you'd be aware of um, from uh, my book Normal Schmormal, Is that I don't. I don't like the word normal. I don't yeah. even use the word mainstream. I use the term zappers and cold plays. <laughs> so my mainstream children are like cold play. Perfectly good, but rather boring. You know, like Keir Starmer. Yeah. <laughs> um like the like the missionary position. It's fine, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. But uh the the but my special needs kids, I think of musically, they're like they're like avant garde bands. They're like yeah. Captain Beefheart, they're like Frank Zappa. So I like the terms, I call them Zappers, because like Frank Zappa, they, they're rebellious, 
alternative, sometimes unspeakably shit, but they don't care. They don't care. And that's why I love them. So, um, so yeah, so I have three children with a diagnosis uh, and a piece of paper to prove it kind of thing. But I have three children who I would say definitely weren't cold plays, but not everyone in life needs a diagnosis. And I think that's an important um, thing. Sometimes, um, hmm. you know, you, sometimes it may be something they might want to pursue in adulthood. I don't know. It'll be up to them. But uh, we didn't feel it was required at this time. So my two sons with uh, who, who who I've got autism and ADHD, both uh, required statement of special educational needs. So they got extra support. My eldest son had 35 hours, which is basically full time. That's full time yeah. support. So that is the same number of hours as our daughter who goes to a special school. So, um, you know, he he definitely required it. There's no question about it. Um, but if you don't require it, then that's a, a different question. But obviously, as you'd know, uh, and as many um, as many of your subscribers would know, having a diagnosis can be very useful because it can also open up a lot of help, a lot of doors get unlocked uh, with that piece of paper. But also it's helpful for you as a parent sometimes to navigate, to know you're not just a crap parent doing a bad job. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually something real here, not in your imagination. And also good for a child. My third son, my, my, my eldest son, Adam, he doesn't really, he's kind of very, he doesn't really like talking about it. He's not so, he's not something he ever talks about. My third son, he, he, he loves being autistic. He, he, really? he, it really gives him a sense of who he is. It really, it really helps who he is. Now, I mean, my, so a, a big revelation that I've not, it's not in the book. Uh, it will possibly be at the back of the paperback. Uh, is uh, so I, I wrote this book. It's called. So I'll plug it in again. It's called Normal Schmormal, my yeah. occasionally helpful guide to parenting kids with special needs. And when I wrote it, I, I, it, as you know, it's not. There's not a huge amount of like research. It's not that kind of book. But I had to do a little bit of research. Obviously, I spent months writing about my children. I'd lived with autistic sons for over eighteen years. Um, my oldest son's now nineteen. But it was only when I came to write about them and their hyperfixations and their sensory needs and their social awkwardness that I realized I could have been writing about myself. Um, so I decided to get myself assessed. Hmm. And I was recently diagnosed with both autism and ADHD. Really? Um, and yeah, this is, and this is really, genuinely all really new hmm. to me. And what's really interesting about it is that it has given me a sense of who I am. It explains many things that have happened in my life. And so I think um, for sure, if you don't need that extra help, maybe that that's what one one reason not to have a diagnosis. But it can it can be incredibly helpful. No question about that. That's that's something I, I hear a lot, actually, from from parents who because they go through so much with their kids and obviously start to understand so much more about autism and, and possibly as their kids get a bit older and they, they start to recognize things that they did when they was a kid or that they, you know, they can just identify traits and behaviors and, and the way their, their kids react to things. And so how, yeah. having received it so recently and, and, and still quite, mm. quite new to you, how is it, a combination of frustration it wasn't picked up before and or does it put things I think into a new light oh yeah I, I think it put definitely puts things into a new light also some frustration i think some uh as i said i'm still really processing it 
Uh, I hope it'll be a subject of another book. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you an exclusive now. The book is called <laughs> Typical Schmippical. Right. Uh, but uh, genuinely. But Yes, you can see a thing, exactly. <laughs> well, why not? But I think that, um, look, I don't want to spend uh, uh, my life dwelling on the past and on sure. what could have been and should have been and what have you. And it was obviously a different era. I'm 48. Mm. Um, the late 70s and 80s were a different period. And I think that things that might be caught now um, weren't so kind of weren't in people's minds in, in that time. That's fine. But I certainly think it's allowed me to go easier on myself to an extent mm. and go, okay, you know, I, I, I'm not – ideally, to rather than dwelling on the past in a negative way, to go easier on yourself in some regards and say, okay, that, that explains that. And, and it's not my fault, as it were. It's yeah. not my – it's not um, – that, 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 that is not something that maybe I'm programmed to be any other way than I am. Hmm. And that's really this whole theme of the book, and really, I suppose, because um, so I, my other son, to say, he's nineteen. Um, he had very um, restricted diet. He had a severe speech delay, and at eighteen months, we started seeking professional help, and he was finally diagnosed with autism at age three. It's a very difficult period of our lives. He was incredibly. Uh, wild and very hard to control we couldn't really take him out anywhere we we couldn't go to social events it was really very very challenging period and when he got that diagnosis I bought books and I read around the subject and everything I read was very negative it was very worrying and I basically wanted to write the book that I wish I'd read Mm. 16 years ago which while not shirking the many challenges uh and not not going to uh brush them under the carpet and and obviously i've tried you know you've read the book i try and really deal with those and try to really uh offer advice to people going through the same thing i really want to be focus on the positive and focus on the real positivity around our children's diagnosis particularly obviously the two um boys with autism and ADHD around neurodiversity and that this I suppose that the, the key moment was realizing and I, I can't remember what how old he was when I realized this six seven eight I don't know but that rather than being we'd spent years trying to fix Adam find ways to fix him through different therapists and this that, and the other and realizing that he wasn't a problem to solve this is who he was and we needed to embrace it and our our special children are really they are who our family is that that that's they make our family what it is so it's really a, a a celebration i suppose of of their um their neurodiversity and it's something i've thought about a lot recently because obviously i've just had this diagnosis a lot of comedians i know have had different diagnoses over the last few years i think the pandemic prompted everyone to get a diagnosis of ADHD or whatever, you know, but Sue Perkins and uh, Stuart Lee, I know he's recently had a diagnosis, and Simon Brodkin, Fern Brady, the list goes on and on. And we're very, and obviously they, these are wonderfully talented people who've, who contribute so much to society. And so we can kind of celebrate their neurodiversity for what it brings 
us as a society. But we're somehow, I, I feel less good at doing that when it comes to children. We're mm. very good at, at celebrating that, that neurodiversity when it comes to an adult and saying, oh, well, Stuart Lee or Fern Brady or what have you. But when it comes to children and a child who's running rampant in the supermarket and maybe not behaving in a restaurant in the way you would expect them to or disturbing people on an aeroplane or whatever it is, we're, we're much less keen at accepting that kind of diversity, I feel. Yeah. So I feel we've got a long way to go there. Yeah, definitely. That that's a really good point, and and I think many parents, myself included, can see a lot of themselves in in what you've described there. The story of those first few years of being incredibly tough. Uh, your eldest is a little bit older than, than my eldest, Jude. Um, so it would have been he was about two, uh, just before two when he was diagnosed. But so like two thousand and ten, and again, everything I read was very negative. Was very medical professional uh and and you're right that there wasn't much back then that was just honest and uh insightful but also hopeful and positive and and you're right i, I think within the book you uh, managed to keep it quite light-hearted obviously you're a comedian so that's a skill that you've you've mastered over the years but you know it it talks about some quite important and serious stuff but it's also funny and and yep. you know makes you smile as well as you know Thank go you. through the, the harder moments so go, going back to that like you said you when <clears throat> adam was diagnosed you didn't know too much about autism yep. it was seen quite negatively and then uh obviously you you had dylan as well a few years later going through so by mm. then was was do you think your outlook was quite different by the time Dylan's diagnosis came along? Yes. De uh, yes, definitely. Uh, so he was diagnosed age six. So there's quite a, a, a gap there. Right. And we were old hands, I suppose, at this point. Yeah. I mean, not easy in terms of just the endless, you know, our life is an endless succession of meetings and appointments and school meetings and hospitals and speech therapists. And I've, you know, I've been in more. I've been in so many hospital waiting rooms. I think I say, if uh, if I ever get on um, Celebrity Mastermind, my specialist subject will be back issues of Heat magazine because <laughs> I've just sat in every hospital waiting room. Great Ormond Street hospitals basically given us our own parking space. Um, but I will say they were very different. And it's interesting, actually, you know, to see two very different types of um, uh, two different different kind of shades as it were of uh, autism uh, with our, those two boys because they are they they have the same diagnosis but they couldn't be more different my eldest um well now he's he's quite quiet shy reserved boy uh Dylan is incredibly outgoing extrovert loads of friends very sociable but also how they presented as their issues they both had the same um speech delay that is something consistent, and that is what prompted the professional help. But Dylan was never a kind of wild force of nature in the way Adam was. I mean, with him, our issues actually really began when he did start to talk, and we would kind of discover the bizarre workings of his of his brain. Right. Um, he is. I mean, he he's he's a yes. I mean, I he he could talk bollocks for England basically. <laughs> 
Dylan. He just kind of he um I would say if he if he continues to talk he's he's sixteen he's just about to turn sixteen, but if he if he continues to talk this much solid shit into adulthood, he could get a job on G B News. He's <laughs> he really is on that level. Um he uh he, you know, he's, he's constantly uh, uh, what he's seen on YouTube and weird things he's seen on TikTok. I, 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 I will should say I don't know to what extent this is. We should blame his autism, and to what extent we should blame whatever bastard invented TikTok. Yeah. But um, he he's he's he kind of lives in his own surreal world of um, of his imagination. So it's a very. But what's interesting is that people will will sometimes hear the word autism and go okay i know what that looks like and you don't mm. because here are two boys who get have shared the same well they share a surname and they share a diagnosis but they couldn't be more different they really couldn't it's really important for people to know isn't it and and it like you said it, it's a very lots of people have met one or two people who are autistic and they have a sort of fixed idea of, of what autism is and and similar right exactly to, to my household you know i have two boys who are very different um who have very different personalities very different needs and and but share a diagnosis yeah, exactly so i think uh so that that's actually was 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 quite an insight in a way for us to to mm. to, to realize that um you know this it's not you can't there isn't a one size fits all um approach here and uh, we have to you know do, do what's right for our children and um yes parent them in um you know and that's obviously something you're, you're hoping and and you know we've had relatively good experiences with professionals but that's what you you know by and large um not so much the bureaucracy i mean the mm. bureaucracy which I, talk about a lot in the book um is uh so so for for obviously you've read it but the 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 book follows a is, is like an, an a to z um but uh appropriately for a, a book about children who might find learning difficult the the letters are all jumbled up yeah so the first <laughs> chapter is m and the last chapter is o and goes in a random order but the first chapter is actually M is for meetings, 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 and talks about the endless meetings, X's for X-rays and other hospital appointments. Talks about all the all the many issues with dealing, and those two chapters particularly talk a lot about dealings with professionals and meetings and how our time is constantly uh, filled up with this stuff. But our, our experiences have actually been really good on the whole. Um, I say the bureaucracy of it is maddening, um, but. You, you hope that the professionals they work with, and particularly SENCOs and and uh, professionals in in school, can recognise that just because uh, two children have uh, the same diagnosis, that they may be very very different. Um, just as I should add, I mean, we have a, a, a daughter who has Down syndrome. People people with Down syndrome, uh, I mean, they share many uh, physical similarities, mm. uh, but may be completely different personality wise and in, in their um their uh, a level of uh, um you know understanding cognitive ability and what have you interestingly actually i have the i have had an issue with funnily enough with so with autism when it comes to autism a lot of people they're like the touchstone for some many 
people not so much now maybe but was rain man that was like oh you know you must be like that that's what you assume as to be this kind of picture and you go well, actually no that's you know people that's that's not the case and uh that you know child may be completely able to be very i mean look i have autism and adhd i, I don't have learning difficulties i think that's one of the reasons why threw me off a, a little bit but i'm quite academic you know i i, I went to oxford uh i got a degree from oxford i got you know like i'm a quite you know well educated and what have you so i don't have any learning difficulties that's someone with awesome interestingly with down syndrome i have in a way the reverse issue is that the the press now and uh uh the media what have you are so fixated on these amazing stories and don't get me wrong they are I'm not, it's wonderful to see, but you will constantly read articles about someone with Down syndrome who has won a BAFTA or mm. is a model for Vogue or is on yeah. the, is a model for Victoria's Secrets or what have you. And then it actually makes you as a parent suddenly feel, oh God, what are we doing wrong? Because our, our, I mean, our, our daughter's just turned 15 and she still wears nappies um, and she's kind of plateaued. And I don't know what, you know, where, what, what, no, I mean she's she's not she's not going to be one of those people you see on the undateable. I wouldn't have thought so on that, the undateables talking about her love life and all this kind of stuff. And and it can actually, the, I suppose it's what do they call it? Like a black swan. It's like when you we sometimes fixate on on like the extraordinary stories. It's a bit like you know I don't know. You read a, an article in the paper about a podcast that has got millions and millions of followers and the the uh subscribers and the hope which i'm sure this is replies to you james uh and <laughs> uh the, not, the, not the host is making and the host is making right but the host is making millions of pounds a week and you're going you know but that's like a real that's you know a black swan because that don't read that and think oh well great then i'll i'll start a podcast and i'll be a millionaire by next yeah. week no that is the incredibly lucky few that is that top naught point naught 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 whatever percent mm. so the trouble is i do find with and i talk about this in the book a bit with regard to uh zoe uh who's our daughter who has down syndrome that that there is actually a i feel almost sometimes a parental pressure from the media too fixated on the black swans of the down syndrome world rather than actually recognizing what it's really like to have a child who maybe is 15 and is going through puberty and has all the hormones of a 15 year old but is has got the mental age of a four-year-old and isn't toilet trained and does require a huge amount of personal care uh yeah. you know because that that's the reality of our life hmm. yeah and i think that can apply to autism as well it it's like you said there are inspiring stories which are great and are something to be hopeful about and, and look for. but then also on the flip side it can be a, you know it it can make parents feel that oh we're, we're so far away from that we're well this was yeah absolutely but as i say i i, I felt i i definitely felt a huge burden lifted as i said earlier when uh adam was diagnosed he was three years old and it was a a sense of oh, a, 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 a deep sigh of relief. We're not just crap parents. Mm. May still be crap parents. I mean, that doesn't uh, <laughs> not going to uh, can't. I mean, that that's not for me to say. 
But um, at least that's not the only issue. And and the fact that, you know, other children, you know, you're in the playground and you're hearing the other mums talking about how many Peter and Jane books they've read and et cetera, et cetera. And your child is kind of, um, you know, not the, the hurling an Argos catalogue at my head. And, <laughs> um, you know, that's, a, you know, and just gesticulating and pointing at what he wants is, is you know, make, can make you feel like you've really failed as a parent. And I do think that, you know, we've, 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 um, I mean, I do think there's this thing that it's not because obviously you want your children to achieve and you want your children to be happy and all the rest of it. But I do feel that there's a, a lot of parents want their children to be like them. It's mm. a strange thing. You want, you kind of want to make mini me's little clones of yourself. I see it a lot. Um, I've seen it in my personal life as well. Like, you know, you, your parents want you to effectively be like you and aren't very good at accepting children that aren't going to be. And I think, that's, I think that's something that we've really tried to work on. I think it's something really important um, to accept that your children aren't going to be like you necessarily. Uh, and they're going to be interested in different things. They're going to behave in different ways. They're going to react in different ways. And, and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong in that. That that you know, we we talk about the word neurodiverse, diverse. That's that's the word diverse. Very yeah. different approaches, different people, different. Yes, and that that's fine. And I think you know what? As soon as you accept that, you 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 become a lot happier actually, because it when if you change, it's like moving the goalposts about what what we're looking for, mm. what the aim is. Yeah, and. And I always tell other parents it comes with time, right? It's it's not something you necessarily you get the well, diagnosis course, yeah. and there's a switch and you you suddenly accept and are, are happy and, and everything's fine. It it comes with time and some people it might take of course. a few months, some people it might take a few years and and I absolutely have moments absolutely. where now and again those feelings creep back for a moment or an hour or a day and but they go a lot quicker than they used to. They they disappear and no, absolutely. And th- yeah, that, I mean, look, that's why I wanted to write this book. That genuinely, because this is based on you know nineteen years. Well, when I wrote it, eighteen years of lived experience, and it's mm. it's only once you've had that lived experience that you can share it because it is a, a huge journey, uh, a process of uh, realization that. Yeah, well, many, many steps of realisation and frustration and what have you, and, and but great joy. So, Matt, I mean, just to, 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 to uh, like, bring you up to speed, I mean, my, so my uh, eldest son, say, he, he had very uh, severe speech delay. I think, you know, he didn't start speaking until he was uh, four or five. Even then, like, it took a long time uh, to really get going. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, like six or seven, what have you. And then, uh, interestingly, he, on becoming a teenager, he took eight years to learn to talk. But on becoming a teenager, it took eight minutes to learn to swear. Um, <laughs> he, um, were conversations with him bleeped? It would sound like we were living with R2-D2. But he went to, and he went, I mean, you know, we found so difficult to find a school for him. You know, he went to more schools than an Ofsted inspector. I mean, he, 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 and in fact, like I talk about this, uh, you might recall that this, he was particularly hard to place because 
and I, are you a football fan? I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, Arsenal. But um, yes, you're an Arsenal fan, right? Right. Yeah. So you know how there are those those some players who just aren't quite. You know, I think Patrick Bamford of Leeds might want to like he's quite he's too good for the Championship, but not good enough for the Premier League. Yeah. Um, there there are those players who just they kind of they fall in between. They'll score thirty in the in the second flight, but they'll barely get a goal in the top flight. And 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 that's the analogy I use for Adam and school. So with Zoe, no question at all, she should be in a special school. Fine. She's very happy. Dylan, no question. He should be in a mainstream school. He gets about 15 hours support, I think, on his statement, something like that, 18 hours, I can't remember. But it's it's a little bit of help. But Adam was the hard one because he's 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 the Patrick Bamford of uh, of schooling. He's not quite um he he he's not quite right for a mainstream school. He finds it very challenging. He found it very challenging, I should say. Even with the support, really found it very difficult. Uh, but he's definitely not right for a special school. He would never. He no way he should be in a special school. And it's children like that who are really the hardest. Hmm. That's when I really sympathise with parents when you've got a child who it just. You might have to accept that there. I mean, in fact, there is a a chapter in the book called "Jay is for just not made for school" because I think we have to accept there are some children for whom school just wasn't made for them. Education education is for those for whom education works. Uh, but he he eventually so he went to many schools. He eventually went to a six for uh, like a college. At the third attempt, he got his GCSEs in maths and English. That's what we felt he really needed, those two. Uh, in fact, he, he got a four in his English, but he actually got a five in uh, maths in the end. At the third attempt, it should be added, but still. Uh, and then he worked uh, for a year at McDonald's, and he now he's got a really good job. He works at Heathrow Airport in security at Terminal 3. And, mm. um, you know, and it's a really good job. It's a well-paid mm. job, and uh, he, he loves it, and it's, it's responsibility, and it's interesting, and, you know. I mean, when ISIS find out that Adam is now running security at Terminal 3, I think they will uh, immediately increase their UK operations. But um, it's, 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 an impre- it's, it's impressive. And I'm not going to, you know, I, I'd like to say that uh, Gemma and I have uh, played some, you know, role in, in that. But, you know, he should, he, you know, the, the, the vast uh, majority of the credit obviously goes to him. And I think he's really, you know, made a, you know, made a life for himself that I think it's very impressive and um you know that again hope hope or there's always hope the bright the future is is brighter I, I do believe that yeah I mean that, and I would that never bri- have believed by the way having and, and having everything that we went through with him I would never believe that that boy that little boy who didn't speak who just was an absolute wild force of nature you know I couldn't take it we couldn't take it I want there's an anecdote I tell about him running into a butcher's shop and jumping behind the counter where they're slicing the meat and I'm trying to pull him out and just we, we had to just strap him in. We had to he he stayed in a in a buggy till he was like eight or nine because I just couldn't I didn't want to mm. run the risk of him legging it off somewhere and turning himself into Carpaccia. I would never have believed that child would now be having a, a really you know, a good job and and a and a and an important job. He he told me he found three knives last week. You know, he's at the 
you know, he's at the forefront of um of of national security. And so, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Especially like you said, he had such a struggle with school and, and finding the right right setting for him and and again that's something that many, many families are going through at the moment where mainstream isn't right for them and either there's not a space in special needs school or the special needs school itself isn't the right setting either and it it's it's so frustrating it's so hard you know it, how, how did you cope was was he out of school for a while was he at home for a while or was, was he was there always a space somewhere we had such a nightmare with him and school and in fact I, so yes i devoted an entire chapter to this it's uh, called n is for no room at the inn because we had with him and it's it's and i you know as i said professionals there are many great professionals we did have though a nightmare with a school who we named on his statement who just didn't want him unfortunately many schools and i do understand i have a, a limited uh, you know some sympathy here because i know that uh, the money you get, you know, particularly in time of austerity and what have you, and cutbacks, that the money a child with uh, a statement may cost a school may be much more than um, they receive. And some people are lazy. They don't want to push themselves, what have you. Some schools don't want to be seen to be like, oh, we're good for children mm -hmm. with SCN because they were then going to get an influx of them and what have you. So we had a school that fought us all the way. And this chapter goes into some great depth. Um, they, 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 they took the, they, they, um, they took it to like tribunal. They then took it to the um, appeal to the secretary of state for education. Ed Bulls now more famous for his dancing to Gangnam style on Strictly and, host of uh, Good Morning Britain and what have you, um, and the man who once tweeted the word, the, na the, the name Ed Bulls, um, uh, famously. He, he, he himself decided that Adam, the school needs to accept him. And even then they threatened to take it to the House of Lords. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. Um, so we did have a period where he was off school. It was only a, a, like a, a first few weeks of a term. Um, but it was the most awful period of our life that those few months of fighting this school. And then many people, and, and I'm sure people listening to this would think, well, hang on, if the school didn't want him that badly, why did you? I mean, there's enough other schools. And who yeah. wants to be, you know, if they don't, surely, I mean, people at the time were saying to us, well, surely if they don't want him, I mean, even if he, even if they gets in, I mean, I, I don't think it's just really, there's going to be such resentment, it's really going to work. But we had done our due diligence. We really felt it was the right school for him. We absolutely believe that. And that's why we really fought it. And why, when we, he did eventually get in, we didn't try to micromanage and we didn't try and we let them get on with it because we, that would have been nonsensical. We, we had put, we had a lot of faith in them. And, and you know what? We, we built bridges or, um, you know, with them. We really did. We started again. And um, he had seven. I, I said he went to many different schools. I should say that was actually secondary school. Um, at primary school, he stayed there from that that uh, that whole palaver of getting him in, which was before like reception, all the way through to the end of year six. Okay. And he made friends. And um, 
and we had a very and we built a very good relationship with the school and with the Senkos and and we almost I think his 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 various LSAs that he had they were almost we we formed almost like a little support group for each other. Um, so we did have a very good experience with him. Yes, and it was actually at secondary school where he really struggled to mm. find the right. Where I suppose the the kind of academics kind of it, it, it ramps up a little bit, and you yeah. know it's much more challenging. You know, and particularly obviously for children with sensory issues, big secondary schools and noisy and and um, I mean Dylan, he 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 once Dylan once asked me to pick. Uh, he said the cocoa pops were too loud, and he wanted me to pick out the noisiest ones out of the packet. I mean, so for, <laughs> if if your cocoa pops are too loud, and a, a kind of busy secondary school playground or corridor is obviously going to be an absolute nightmare sensory mm. overload. So you know, no wonder that many children, uh, autistic children, find it very very challenging. Um, but uh, yes, as I say, we we we. And, I, and my sympathy goes to, to you know, parents who are uh, uh, fighting with schools over things. And it's very important, and I, you know, talk about this as some helpful advice, hopefully, about what rights you have and what help's available. Because um, it's important to to not, um, you know, to not, uh, to know what, what is, what, what rights you do have and, and as I say, also what, um, what help might be available. That said, I also think it's really important to remember to to keep it, to to try and keep in mind what your motivation is. I think that's really important that to not you know to not ever do something for the for the for point scoring or to get one over on other people. You know, always try and keep in mind this is only for our child's interests, not to get one yeah. over on the school. You know, I think it's very you can get into these little battles with professionals sometimes and suddenly it just becomes about a little battle of wills between you and them. Yeah. And and, you know, I think it's really important to just be no put ego to one side. It's not about who wins. It's about doing what's best for the child. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I think it can escalate pretty quickly sometimes, can't it? That what started as something really small suddenly is a is a huge issue and and it's it, i mean it goes back to what you, you said in the beginning about meetings and appointments and it's not something we ever expected to be doing we didn't expect that our lives would be full up with all these professionals involved and Incredible. people coming into your home yeah. and assessing things and and all these extra appointments and oh god it's really important yeah. to keep a good I mean, relationship when Adam was it, we had so hard yeah yeah, we had so many. Prof- I mean, every time I looked up, there was a period when every time I looked up, there was somebody observing Adam, mm. like shaking their head and like, making tutting sounds, like a builder who coming into your house and going, you know, you've had cowboys in here. You know, it was like that. It was just uh, no speech, disordered social skills, eat sod all except bread. This is going to cost you. You know, it was like that. And uh, and then yes, the meetings. I mean emergency meeting in case of emergency meeting transition meeting um you know assessment meeting review meeting planning meeting pre-planning meeting we i just every possible kind of meeting we've been in the how to how to um how to teach adams that swearing isn't big or clever emergency meeting <laughs> we've been them we've been in them all 
That one mostly involved us seriously debating whether Wanger qualified as a swear word. Genuine. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, final upshot, it didn't, but there's still Raspberry stopped saying it. Yeah. But we've been to them all. You know, it's, it's extraordinary. So the amount of time uh, that gets taken up, it's mm. just, yeah, it's impossible to do anything else. That, that's a really good point. How, how did you juggle all that between you and Gemma? And obviously you've got six kids to, to deal with, right? To, with contrasting needs. Yeah. And, and then you've got all these added appointments mixed in. Yes, how, it's how did very difficult. Uh, it, it, it was a, oh, I, I, it wasn't easy. Um, you know, and there were times, obviously, couldn't both go to everything. And you have to be, I think, obviously, it depends on how many children you have and how many meters you have. But I think your one has to be judicious. And you have to actually say, look, I mean, look, let's be clear. Some of these things are important. Some of these things aren't important. Some of these mm. things are bureaucracy, teachers, and they don't want to do it any more than we do. But that's the, the age we live in. Teachers being left alone to teach has gone the same way as like teachers using the cane and smoking a pipe in front of the children and having those shiny leather patches on their on their elbows. Um, you know, it's a kind of thing of the past. It they, they now have to constantly fill in forms and attend meetings. And so I think they don't want to be doing any more than you do. So I think you do have to sometimes say, look, is this strictly necessary? Uh, can we combine two things? Can we have it at the end of the day or just before, rather, like just before pickup time? Can we have it just before, just after drop-off? So I'm not having to go three times in a day back to school. Mm. Um, and actually, with regards to Zoe, we we the school probably think we're the most ridiculously hands off parents because we barely ever go to meetings now. We barely do have communication with them. But the truth is, she's very happy. We it's not just the fact that we've been burnt out of all of this. She's very happy at school. She goes very happily every day. She comes home very happy. She absolutely loves it. Um, she goes to a very good school. We trust them to do their job, and so we're very hands off and are willing to say. You know, if you what you say is best, we're happy to go with. And, and then that helps then, again, with the God is picking battles, because then you can, when, when you do, when you are unhappy about something, it carries a bit more weight that you weren't just kind of worrying about every little thing. So try, we do try where possible to trust the people you should be trusting. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think... There's less meetings when things are good, right? <laughs> when things are going well, it's a Absolutely. bit easier to, to stand off a bit. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Look, so I, I mean, I talk, well, yes. Yeah. So I talk about in the book about there's two kinds of meetings, by and large, and that you would go into a meeting room. I'd go to the school and you would, and as soon, I didn't even need to, to, before it would even start, I would know how it was going to go because there would either be on the table a, a plate of biscuits which would mean this is going to go well. This is one of the positive ones. Or there'd be a box of tissues. And there were times that, and you know, that means it's not going to go well. And I have been to meetings, seen the tissues, and just then made an excuse to go home because, you know, turn my phone off and, and uh, hope by the time they catch up with me, my child will have done something biscuit-worthy <laughs> because those are the ones you don't want to be in. Um but uh, that said, the absolute worst of all the meetings is, is actually technically a plate of biscuits meeting, but I still hate it. And that is the 
the the transition meeting partly because you have so many people there you know the transition from one year to another year um and you have so many people there you've got no chance of getting your hands on the good biscuits for a start which i think is a problem because i'm only interested in jammy dodgers custard creams and yeah yeah jammy dogs and custard creams maybe party rings as well like but i'm not once we're down to stale digestives i'm not interested so that's one issue but also i just love the it's it's that way that they will talk very euphemistically you know you must know all the euphemisms like adam would be described as a rather lively boy which translated (laughs) means absolutely sodding uncontrollable (laughs) Um, and Dylan would usually be called very much his own person, which give or take means completely his own world. And we have no Mm. idea what the hell's going on in his head. And these euphemisms would be rolled out and you would see, but then next year's teacher, they speak the language. They know what this means. And and they're kind of like sparing our blushes, but there you can see their fate, like their face turned to white thinking, Oh my God, this is what I've got next year. And of course, last year's teacher looks kind of demob happy that they've um, they've got rid of your child and they're no longer going to be called a wanger all day. And you know, it's it's those me oh, so those transition meetings. I'm so happy. Like I say, those things they are. Uh, you know, you don't. My, I'm never going to a transition meeting again for Adam. You, there's no transition meeting. I'm not going to be called into a transition meeting that he's being transferred from terminal three to terminal five. That's not going to happen. Um, he worked for a year at McDonald's. I never got called in for a meeting with Ronald McDonald and McBurglar. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fine. So luckily I've kind of, these things have, are in the past and I can joke about them and write about them, um, with a little bit of a, um, happiness that they, that I'm not going to any more of them. I do have some with Zoe, admittedly, but as I say, we try and keep them to the bare minimum. Yeah. So, talking of transitions, obviously your your mm. kids, uh, you know, Adam, as you said, has has reached an age where he's out of school. Uh, Dylan and Zoe will be yep. in the next few years. What What are some of your hopes, and how do you how do you imagine? You've already said that you couldn't have imagined adam being where he is now from from yes. when he was yeah younger but now they're sort of getting older like what what are some of your hopes and dreams for for what's going to happen in the years to come oh I don't, you know i don't know i mean you, you know like all parents you, you want your children to be happy i mean that's the main mm-hmm. thing and I, I support them in whatever they want to do and it's the same not to fixate on what we want them to do or to have a, a you know, a fixed mindset about how you want, you see things, you see them being, we've had a lot of, of that, of, of, of just binning what we imagine it's going to be like, things are going to be like. Um, so, you know, and Adam will say that he's, he's working. I know he, he wants to, so he currently lives at home. He's uh, making good money and, and saving it. And I'm hoping uh, he rather, I'm hoping he is hoping uh, that he'd like to move out at some point and, and that'd be great for him. Um, he'd like to, uh, so that, that'd be great. Uh, and he'll have his own space and what have you. And, and he'll no longer be making a mess in the bathroom and the kitchen. So that would be good for everyone. 
Um, Dylan is so he's in his GCSE year. He's just started year eleven. I don't think he'll be. I don't think his school. You see, he really likes his school. I don't think it's suitable for, in terms of, unfortunately, of what they offer in the sixth form. I think mm-hmm. he will. We, so we've started looking now for new places for him. But he's got lot. He's very good artist. He was on a. He was actually a contestant on a BBC show, Britain's Best Young Artist, a couple of years ago. But he's he's got lots of ideas. He's always changing his mind what he'd like to do. But I think that the, you know, I don't think there's any any barriers anywhere really to what he may or may not do. Uh, Zoe is a very difficult one. We had always thought so. She goes to a special school. Uh, it's part of a charity, a larger charity that also provides like supported housing and things like that. And we'd always kind of thought maybe when she's 19, 20, whatever, she might be able to move into that kind of uh, provision. I don't know. I I, I, I just don't. I, it's very hard to say. There was a period when she seemed to be really developing very well, but she has kind of plateaued a bit. I, I don't know. It's so hard to say at the moment. Mm. Um, a little bit of banging you might have heard uh, in the background is some builders building a... a uh, a, a, a converting, say not really particularly building, but converting our old garage into a, a new bedroom uh, and a new bathroom, ensuite bathroom for her, so she has more privacy. So we, you know, it, it's it's, you know, she's definitely um, yes. I, I I don't think in the foreseeable future anything's going to change there in that regard in regard to her uh, moving and and or you know doing anything beyond um you know school and then you know she'll be there i think i think her school actually runs till she's 19 mm. and then they also have a college but i you know will she ever even be able to work i don't know i wouldn't have thought so but that's you know you, you never know things yeah. can surprise you so um but you know the, the 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 hopes and dreams obviously you know like all parents want their children to be happy and healthy uh and and um you know, we really try our hardest to support them, um, you know, as much as possible. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Like you said, it, of course, happiness is the, is the main thing and, and whatever lifestyle that, that means for them, whether that's they fully supported, need some support, they're able to live independently, you know, have jobs, etc. It, it's different for, for every family, but yeah, it, I think a lot changes, doesn't it, in that sort of fifteen to nineteen period, and and we just have to see what, yeah. where that leads. Adam, yeah, Adam's Adam's been really influenced though by the people. You know, we all influenced by people you you hang out with, the people you spend time with, mm. and it was really good for him getting. Um, I say school wasn't he wasn't made for school, but he worked say for a year at McDonald's, and I think it really was a good job for him. Really, you know, I've had look, he's not adulting. He, he's not good at adulting um and uh you know whoever he needs a lot of help rather with adulting so we you know i i've had to apply for all these jobs for him and do a lot of the work to to, to get get these over the line and what have you but you know it was great for him going to work, meeting people who like at mcdonald's you, you know you have a huge range of kinds of people who work there lots of students who are going off lots of kids who'd left school and were now kind of working before they move on to university or before they move on to other kinds of jobs. And I think, you know, he it was great for him to see that and to kind of go, okay, I want to 
I want a piece of that. I want to feel like I'm moving on with my mm-hmm. life. I don't want to just be doing the same thing all the time. And um, so, you know, it's it's been really good for him to meet different kinds of people, to uh, to to broaden your horizons, and to see there's a there's a big world out there beyond just you know what goes on in a classroom. So sometimes you can only it's only in those years when you are beginning to step outside of schools that you you get to find out who you are a little bit yeah definitely it's been great for him i want to go back to to one of the chapters in your book uh, i think it's titled ignoring the idiots um yes i think that's something we struggle with as parents when our kids are young we we're worried about what people think yep. we're worried about what they're saying behind our backs or even to our faces sometimes because our kids are acting uh differently than than what they would like them to yeah tell us a little bit about that yes. your experiences so, and what what you think we we need a stage we need to get to uh well the stage we need to get to is obviously is the is the first word ignore yeah but um, yeah, so basically this chapter goes is talking about the kind of stupid things people would say to you. Um, but it's it's a very, it, but it goes through, it's a very, rather sweary uh, chapter, but uh, goes through, I'm so frustrated by it, but goes through the different kinds of idiots, the different brands, because they're very different, it's like one type. So you have, so one type is the ones who think your child just lacks discipline. So those people who would say, you know, oh, he's not, that's just a naughty boy. You know, that's just somebody who's badly behaved. Bring him to my house. I'd sort them out in an hour, you know. Which is something, particularly when you have children, as you know, people, no one ever says that of, of Zoe, because you can look at her and you can see she's got Down syndrome. Nobody looks yeah. at her and says, bring her around to my house and I'll, 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 you know, no one ever said to Helen Keller's parents, you know, bring her around, I'll teach her to speak and 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 read you know it's 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 but people when you've got like invisible disabilities like neurodivergence autism adhd and that kind of thing it's you do get idiots who will say things like that who basically don't believe it's real um there's lots of people who don't believe it's real in fact the the non-believers basically people who, who will say things like Oh, no one. Everyone's got ADHD now. No one had it when we were at school. Okay, well, no, just because it wasn't diagnosed doesn't mean yeah. they didn't have it. You know, you, 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 um, you know, do you know what I mean? That, that's, that's, uh, it doesn't mean it's made up. Um, th- that, that's my big issue there. So, you know, you, you've, you've, um, just because something isn't diagnosed, the people saying this haven't been diagnosed with, judgmental prickitis but it still means that it doesn't mean they haven't got it so that that's that's the uh you know that that that's that's another type um then you've got the just the idiocy that so those are kind of that's one thing then you've got people who just say stupid stuff for the sake of saying it they're kind of you know he doesn't look autistic uh has he really got autism? he doesn't look autistic you go, well no but what does that mean i mean who, what does autism look like? I mean, are you expecting to see Dustin Hoffman? I mean, is that what you're expecting to see? What Because, you know, people with autism are white, black, brown, fat, thin, you know, fair hair, ginger, brunette, you know, every possible kind of person, boys, girls, you know, anyone could 
be autistic. There isn't a look. And so, you know, those kind of things. The the question I, I touched on it earlier, the um is he high functioning or low functioning drives me mad. People would say that all the time. Um they say that as well, actually of Zoe as well. But that's one as if they're like a TV set and you can say how many pixels they've got, you know. Um that isn't the to be clear, that isn't the HD in ADHD. That's nothing to do with that. Yeah. Um it's it's but this is the thing, is if like you can as if there's a number you can give and it, it just doesn't work like that. It it just doesn't. Um is another Rain Man thing, is your child a musical genius? Can they can they, you know, they expect so we're talking about that the black swans, but like they expect somebody oh, he's autistic, he can probably draw the New York skyline from memory. No, he can't. Um that is incredible Sav that's savant syndrome. That's incredibly rare. Um, Adam doesn't have it. He he has signed, He has no signs of savant syndrome at all. Yeah. Unless you count, you know, losing, starting an argument in an empty room and losing his bus pass the whole time because he's shit hot at that. But um, no, you know. Um, and then and then even worse. And then as you say, they even get worse because. And then, now it will sound like I, I just don't. I'm never happy. But I also there's the people who go too far the other way and are kind of like the toxic positivity people. So you get that as well. So you get the people who say things like, oh, everything happens for a reason, or having a child with special needs is a gift. Now, that's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my children. And, 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 you know, as I said before, they do make our family what it is because of who they are, not because of the fact they've got special needs. And yeah. it may, now it may be the case that with many years of acceptance, you do, you know, want to feel that their special need is a gift of some kind. But that's, you know, I have to get that at my own pace. Don't tell me mm. that this is a gift. Because when you've spent, you know, as you will have done, James, you know, hundreds of hours in meetings and with difficult children and children who won't eat and, you know, what have you, it's that's no gift. You know, and then sometimes religion comes into it, go. God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. Yeah. You know, it's not helpful. It's just not, it's not helpful for me to hear that. Yeah, God, it's not helpful. God chose so, you. Um, God chooses people like you to have, you know, you. you're so special. That's why. Right. You. Right. So the, the, this is not, you know, don't use my child's special needs as a tool for evangelism. It's mm. not, it's not going to work. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not going to work. Don't don't use this as a tool for evangelism. It's not going to work. I'm not interested in in not because I'm not a, a non-believer. It's because you know what? Even if I was a even if you were the biggest believer in the world, do you really want to believe in a God that makes your life difficult? I mean, that's not. Yeah. I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's just not. It's not a helpful thing to say. And then yes, the, the and then the absolute worst, the one I really hate the most, and I, I use some strong language to describe them are the people who use phrases like um, behind your back, as you said. It was the things about behind your back. They're kind of, there must be something going on at home. And, you know, there isn't. I mean, sometimes there is. Sometimes there is something going on. But, it, but most of the time there isn't. All what's going on at home is parents struggling, but doing their best and failing and trying again and failing and trying again and, you know, just doing our absolute hardest in difficult circumstances and and that's what's going on at home and and it's very very challenging 
when that is people's first instinct. Mm-hmm. And yes, we've had a, a, a lot of disapproving um, looks over the years. I talk about this T-shirt we bought from the National, I don't know if they still sell it, but the National Autistic Society at the time sold this T-shirt that had on it, I'm not naughty, I have autism, uh, and um, didn't ever do the job. In fact, weirdly, weirdly, every time Adam put it on, he, he somehow, he had somehow, he, despite the fact he didn't read, he discerned the message and behaved even more outrageously when he wore it. It's almost as if it was, it's almost as if the T-shirt had magical powers and gave the wearer autism. I don't know. But um, it, it, you know, you, we really wanted to try everything to, because to, it's so horrible, those, 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 yeah. that kind of disapproval. So it's something that I have huge sympathy for um, when, you know, sometimes I'm on the train, the underground, I'm seeing someone who's, who's uh, or in the supermarket who's, struggling with a child it's we've all been there and I, I my heart goes out to them do you do you feel like it's got any better i was just thinking about this as as you was going through all those different uh types of people who or know. things that people might say and i'd love to think so I, I don't know if it's getting better or it's because i'm better at ignoring it or because i'm now surrounded by people who understand my boys and you know maybe i'll yeah i think it has i definitely think it has got better and i think it's got Mm. better because as more people get diagnosed or as more people come away then more people know someone and more people's got a a brother or a sibling a sibling or you know a niece and nephew or something where they know someone who who was like a neurodiverse child or something like that and so i think that for sure i think it is getting better um i think that there's still a long way to go and as i said before you know we're much better at kind of celebrating neurodivergence in adulthood in adults and then going oh isn't it wonderful that uh you know fern brady's just written a book about being autistic or what have you than we are children who behave much more uh un kind of unpredictably uh, so we definitely have some way to go, but no, there's no question. I think that we've we've got better. Just, mm. Yeah, that is, we've not reached the end of the road, but we've definitely got better. And schools have got better. And I think for you know for all the meetings, I, for um, John Bishop saying that when he was at school, like he had dyslexia or something, and when he was at school, the teachers just said to his parents, "Make sure John can lift heavy stuff." <laughs> and, and like it's that that you know we're now we do. You know, we we do we are so much better at differentiating and providing, you know, resources that that are are more suited for children. But again, still so so long way to go. Yeah. Actually, obviously, we, we've spoke a lot about the book. Uh, normal schnook, normal Make sure I get that right. So, um, get my lips around that. Uh, where can other than you know books out there now? Um, where can yep. people find out about you and your family other than other than that? Yeah, so uh, so the the books just come out. Uh, published by Harper Collins, and um, I've there's a Radio Four series that I've done with the children, uh, with their uh, perf- performing as themselves. Which all the episodes called Ashley Blake's Six Point Five Children, which is on. BBC Sounds, all the episodes are on BBC Sounds. 
And I will be touring a show called Normal Schmormal next year um, to coincide with um, Autism Awareness Month. Okay. Uh, but uh, everything's at my website, ashleyblaker.com. And um, yeah, I, I, it's been lovely. You know, so the book's only been out like not even two months, but it's been so nice to the, the early adopters, the early readers who've, well, either left um, very extensive reviews on, on Amazon, which I've really enjoyed reading, but also lots of people who've emailed and been in touch. And, um, you know, that to me really makes it worthwhile when people have said, I, 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 lots of people have used the word zappers. It's obviously had a real impact <laughs> on people. And they've said, you know, I'm a parent of two zappers or I'm a parent of two zappers and one cold plate, whatever. And, and, and this really spoke to me and I, I felt seen and I felt heard and I felt, you know, this felt like a hug and this felt like it was written for me. And I, you know, that, uh, that, that's, you know, as a writer or something like this, I, it just, I, it couldn't it doesn't get better than that yeah. uh, no the booker prize would be better but um the, the, those in fairness that's only fiction but um you know the the, the uh, a nobel prize would be better <laughs> but uh those emails are, are wonderful i love them um lots of people get in touch with social media and what have you and so yeah it's it's if anyone wants to be in touch you know please do um and um you know it, it's it's great to, you know and i think if you're if you are a parent of uh well what i will say is if i'm trying to sell the book to anyone i would say if you're you're either going to love it and read it and think wow i really relate to this or you're going to read it and think thank christ his life is even harder than ours so either way you are onto a winner i would say I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people would just think that by the fact that you've got six kids, right? And that's a, that's a starting exactly, point. Exactly, um, exactly, 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 exactly. No, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, there's lots I can relate to um, with my journey with Tommy and Jude. Um, and I think it's, like I said, it's a lighthearted look at some really difficult and challenging times but also very positive and inspiring and you know it's great to hear the progress Thank that you. you and your family have been through um so i will link up all of that in the show notes for everyone to to find so they can uh check out your book and check out your 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 website etc just before we finish ashley what's one thing that you'd like people to know about autism oh that's a great question um I think the one thing to know, well, we probably covered, I think if there's only one thing, I think the thing that we covered earlier is that it's not maybe what you thought it was. Mm. Um, and that it's, it's a lot, it comes in many different forms of, in terms of, it'll, it'll, it will appear differently in different people. And yeah. that it, it, but the, the, the people, people who are autistic, might not be it might not be evident to you and that you 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 that and also to know how much it affects people's lives i think that is also a really important thing um this isn't just you know a kind of little funny kind of characteristic quirk you know uh that social anxieties and sensory needs and these are things that are going to affect you not necessarily debilitate, but because you find ways to deal with them. But there are, are life alterings that are things that are going to completely, they're going to dictate your, your entire life 
you know, there's a whole chapter in the book called Why is for your smell is too loud for my eyes. And it's about sensory needs. And I have a lot of sensory needs. My children, which have got worse. And uh, interestingly, and uh, our children, it has a huge impact on what they eat and what foods they can tolerate and what smells they can tolerate and all these kinds of things. So I think if there was one thing is to appreciate, um, well, that's two things, I suppose. But uh, A, <laughs> that it comes in many, it'll look very different with different people and, and autistic people look different to each other. But so this is this is who they are in every this is who they are, and it's mm. not just a little quirk. It, it's something that they're dealing with, you know, maybe twenty four seven, and it will, and it will, and it will impact how they relate to people and their uh, sensory needs and what they eat and what they want to wear, and 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 you know what they, we had such issues with Adam regarding his clothes for school. He never would wear a coat; only ever wanted to wear short sleeves it, it impacted so many different areas of life so yeah there you go a long answer but that that's i think that's so important yeah that's perfect you're right it is so so important to know how different it is for everyone and the way it can impact people's lives ashley thank you it's been a pleasure getting to know you and your family and uh yeah. thank you so much thank Good you luck with the book really appreciate it thank you very much james thank you quick one before you go I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, subscribe to the podcast, which will make sure you don't miss any future episodes, but will also help other people find the podcast too. In the show notes, you'll find links for the best places to find this week's guest and where you can connect with me. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode, so tag me or DM me in all the usual places. Hope you enjoyed this week's story about autism. <laughs>